Yeah, how you doing tonight? Good. There's a crew just got in. How are you guys doing? Oh, great. Oh, good. We missed the fun. We uh, had fun in here playing whatever, what do you call that? Hand slap game? You should try it. It's really good. Uh, hey, I'm excited to be here. My name's Rich. I uh, have the privilege of being here all the way from California. Uh, my family and I, uh, my, my, wife, uh, my family is not here this weekend. It's kind of a too quick of a trip for them, but I've got a wife, Allison. Uh, we've been married almost 17 years. Uh, my son, August, is 12 years old, which is crazy how fast that kid's growing up. And then my daughter, Isley, is 10. She turns 11 in a few days, which is nuts. Uh, yeah, I, I worked in camping ministry for 14 years at, at Hume Lake Christian Camps there in, in California. Um, I, I worked in the high school ministry there, loved what I got to do. Uh, and then in 2016, moved down to Long Beach, um, which is south of Southern California, uh, where I'm a, a pastor at a church down there helping out adults kind of communicating with one another and then hopefully pointing each other to the Lord. So so what I get to do a little bit about me. I'm excited this weekend to talk about this theme is uh, Maddie was talking about recrafted, the fact that we as Christ followers in the room, we've been made from something old to something new. Your old life is no longer and it's a new life lived in him. And this weekend, I want to just kind of start from scratch. And, I, you know, I even for some of us this weekend, have an opportunity. Some that may not have put their hope and faith in Jesus will have an opportunity to do that. And I tell you that because I don't want it to surprise you or shock you. But those that call themselves Christ followers, I want us to maybe ask some hard questions in this chapel time and in your cabin times. Because I, I, I now know junior hires, I think, more than I ever have because my son's in junior high. Me and him go out and we get breakfast every, every Wednesday morning and we, he asks me hard questions and he's laying in bed. Sometimes he's like, Dad, can you come back in here? So what about this? And they're really deep, hard questions and I love that he asks. Because I love Jesus and I want my son to desperately love Jesus, but my love for Jesus doesn't save my son. His love and dependence on Jesus saves him. That's it. And a lot of you have grown up in the church and maybe you've come to camp. I was talking to a youth pastor in the back. He's come eight times. And maybe some of you have come again and again, whether it's in different kind of camps, whether it's humor, different camps. You, you've come, you make a decision, or you come and you're like, this year will be different. And you find yourself saying, well, why, why is it different? How, how am I supposed to live this new life? I'm, I'm, I'm recrafted and I'm supposed to be a new creation. How come I don't feel it sometimes? And we're going to talk about it this weekend. We're going to really unpack Ephesians chapter 4 a little bit here uh, this, uh, this evening and then a little tomorrow uh, and a little bit tomorrow night. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. I'm going to read it for a moment as you turn there. That video was awesome that Hume put together. And if you could get it again, I'm sure hopefully they get a link, got the thumbs up, you should watch it again because as you watch it more and more, you're going to be overwhelmed with what was actually said there. The potter molding the clay and there was a line there I wrote down that said this, its value of this clay, this maw, this just ball of clay, its value transforms based on what it can be in my hands rather than what it has been apart from me. Did you hear that? 
And you might have missed it on the video. Listen to it again. The value of this, of this mud that, that the potter chooses, the value transforms based on what it can do in God's hands rather than what it can be apart from God. And we're going to talk about that a little tonight. Ephesians chapter 4, 17 and 18 says this. Now, this, Paul says, this I testified in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles, people that don't know the Lord. Don't walk as Gentiles do in their fertility of their minds. Why? They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from a life of God. Because the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. I testify to you in the Lord, 17 says this, that you must no longer walk as people that don't know God because you know God, so don't walk as if you don't. Your new life in Christ, so let's walk in that way. Would you pray with me as you begin tonight? Lord, thank you for this time and uh, the worship, the heart of the worship leaders up here as we get to come before you and slow down and even just really question what, what do we here this weekend to do? And it's going to go fast. This weekend's going to go very fast. Maybe slow down and hear what you want to teach us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So uh, I don't remember a ton about my childhood. I, I, I remember some things. I just kind of have like little clips in my head. But I do remember uh, Easter time. And my family would, we'd wake up and there'd be like an Easter basket. And in the Easter basket, there'd be, you know, certain things, pair of socks or whatever it is, some candy and whatever. But my parents would hide it sometimes. And, you know, you, you talk about it at, at school, at church. I got this in my Easter basket. I'm not sure if you guys are doing Easter baskets. We do it a little bit with our kids. Uh, but I, I always longed for, I, I, I'm a big fan of chocolate. So I always longed for those big chocolate bunnies, right? And, uh, and my friends would have them. They'd bring them to school and, you know, they buy it into the ear and it's just caramel inside and, you know, marshmallow and it just oozes everywhere. And I'm like, man, that looks good. Can I have some? And they're like, no. Awesome. Good friend, right? And I was just like, I, I wanted one of those chocolate bunnies. I was just excited to have them. And I was, you know, too poor because I didn't have a job. I couldn't buy an Easter bunny uh, or just one of those big chocolate bunny bars. And I remember one year, I just remember this. I, I woke up one Easter morning and I saw this chocolate bunny that I've been wanting. I was just excited to see this bunny. And my, my parents are like, you can't have it until after church. And I at church, I'm talking it up. I, I just remember thinking about this silly chocolate bunny with caramel and all this goodness that's going to be inside. I, I was longing for it. And I couldn't wait. And I get done with church and I get home and I rip that box open. And I, I'm just like, this is it. Everything I hope for. And I take a bite of that chocolate bunny ear and it crumbles because it's hollow and empty inside. And I threw it at my parents' face. I'm just kidding, right? This, this chocolate that wasn't even good chocolate, it tasted like styrofoam. I, I, something I longed for and I, I bit into it and it just crumbled in my hands because it was empty and hollow. And something that I longed for didn't satisfy and didn't deliver the way I was hoping it would. And I bring that up tonight as we start this whole weekend off by asking the question, as I ask questions, I don't need a verbal response. I want you to process it in your own mind. 
Is there things in your life that you've longed for that you couldn't wait for and you finally get and you're just kind of left with, eh, hollow, a little empty, it overpromised and underdelivered. This thing that you hoped would be something just kind of let you down. I can't imagine I'm the only one in the room that feels like that at times. And I'm not just talking about me as a kid eating a chocolate bunny. That's in my life today. Things that I long for and I hope for and I can't wait. And I get there, I'm like, ah, oh, it's good, but it's not. There's a guy in the Bible named Solomon. Wisest person in the world, actually. He writes some books in the Bible and it talks about Solomon. Solomon is a guy named King David. You might know David is the guy who slayed the giant, becomes king of Israel. He has a son. His name is Solomon. Solomon ends up being king over all of Israel. And it talks about in the Bible that kings uh, and, and, and governors would come and sit and learn from Solomon because he was so wise. And Solomon has these things in his life where he's following the Lord and everything is good. And then he kind of stops following the Lord and his life kind of spirals out of control. And, and most scholars believe that he wrote this book, Ecclesiastes, towards the end of his life as he looks back on his life and he wrote, writes this book and says, this is kind of what I think I've come up with. So well, the, the wisest person that, that we could hear from, Solomon wrote, this in Ecclesiastes 2. It says this actually in, in, in chapter uh, 2, verse 1, all the way through 9. It says, come now, let me test my heart with pleasure. Let me find out what's good to do uh, under, the, under, the, under the sun. What gives meaning to life? So, so he indulges in all sorts of pleasures. He starts drinking. Maybe that will help satisfy. Maybe that party life will help satisfy, and it doesn't. Okay, now I've tried that. How about, how about I, I, I dive into work, and I make some unbelievable buildings and, and water groves and, and, and really try to not be about me but serving other people. Maybe that will satisfy me, this, this stuff that will stand long after I leave. And No, that doesn't satisfy. How about friends, bringing friends in? How about, uh, how about coworkers? How about all of these different people? And he brings all of these things in. In verse 9 of chapter 2, it says this in Ecclesiastes. So I've become great. I surpassed all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. He's the wisest person. And he says this. Whatever my eyes desired, I didn't keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward. And I considered all that my hands had done, the toil that I had expended in doing it, and behold, it was all vanity, a striving, a chasing after the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. Now, in case you missed it, Solomon had the most success, the best house, the most possessions, the richest lifestyle, the most sophistication. Uh, he he, he, has, he's the, has the best wines. He has the most incredible parties and feasts, the greenest lawns, the best servants, more money than we could ever possibly imagine, military fame, popularity, endless entertainment, pleasures that anyone and everyone can indulge in. And yet he says it was empty. 
In fact, he says it's a, it's a chasing after the wind. That's a weird saying, isn't it? A chasing after the wind. He says it's, it's foolishness to chase those things. It's like putting your hope and your purpose in wind. Why? Because you can't hold on to wind. I'm not sure if you follow the news. A few weeks ago in, in California, man, we had some crazy rain happening. A storm like, unlike I've seen in a long time in California. It was blowing trees over and uh, it was insane. And I, I remember uh, it just... Houses were leaking. I mean, it was nuts, but the wind was blowing so bad. Again, trees are falling over in the parks and things like that. And I see people running around doing this, trying to catch the wind. They're trying to catch it. I'm kidding, because nobody would do that, because it's weird. You don't run out here, the wind's blowing, you try to catch the wind. Why? Because it's impossible. It's literally impossible to catch and hold on to wind. It's impossible. And Solomon is saying something pretty profound. He says, if you're looking for hope and purpose and things, it's impossible. It's as if you're trying to be out there being crazy, trying to catch the wind. It's impossible. And he comes to the end of the book. Most scholars would believe towards the end of his life, and he says this, as I survey everything, I, I, I kept myself no pleasure. Anything that I saw, I wanted, I got. And it was all meaningless. He says this at the end of the book. It says this, spoil alert. He says, fear God and keep his commandments. That's what life comes about, is understanding who he is and just be with him. But what's he know? He's just the wisest person we would ever read about. Friends, can I ask you just to think for a moment, where are you trying to find hope and purpose? As you're here, as you think about it, where, where are you trying to find that hope and purpose? Is it in friends? Is it in relationships? Is it in the sports world? Is it in school? Where are you trying to find that purpose and, and, and belonging? Because here's the thing. Once you get that friend, that relationship, that real grade or that trophy, do you really think, do you really, are you, are you really content? You see, desire isn't bad. Desire is not bad, but it can't be our final goal. John Piper, a, a author and, and pastor, he says this. It's mind-blowing. Our problem is not big desires. Have big desires. You can have big desires. If the problem isn't big desires. Here it is. Our problem is small desires for big things. Have desires. The problem is you're settling for small things. Small desires. We're far too easily pleased. And once we get those small desires met, we just want more. My son, for, for Christmas, really, he got a, a lot of money from my mom and dad, and my mom and dad never gave me money. In fact, they didn't give me any Christmas presents, but they gave my son a lot of money, which is mind-blowing to me. But my son now has this money. I'm like, hey, what do you want to buy? He's like, pencils. I was like, what? He's like, well, it's like colored pencils. I was like, well, I heard you the first time, but why? He's like, well, dad, you don't understand what an artist does. And I'm like really? Are you, are you an artist? But he is. He's really, really good. But he spent a lot of money on a box of legit colored pencils. And I'm like, my man, 
really? Like, there's RC cars out there. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff out there you can buy. He's like, you don't understand. He gets these. He's been waiting for them. He gets them off of Amazon, and they come the next day, basically. But he's longing for this because he's been thinking about it for a while. He gets the colored pencils, and he's so jazzed on it. He opens the box. He's doing it, like, just coloring. He's coming up with some really cool things. An hour later, he comes out. He's like, Dad, I think I need to buy some colored pens. Oh, the pencils aren't enough. Why? Because those things that we think are going to satisfy just don't. When we finally get to these things, we want more. We're far too easily pleased. God wants us to be satisfied, but we're looking for satisfaction in the wrong places. Why? Because God is the only one that can truly satisfy. Listen to these verses. Hebrews 10, 23 says this. Let us hold fast. You talk about holding fast to something, not onto the wind, not something that will just come and go. It says this. Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. God is faithful, and you can hold on to him because he's unchanging. He's not going to let us down. Numbers 23 says this, God is not man that he should lie or, or change his mind. Has God said it? Then he'll do it. God is unchanging. He's unlike the wind. He is consistent and constant. God is good according to the Bible. God is love according to 1 John. Not only do we get love from him, but God is love. That's who he is. You want love, it's only found in him. God is hope. I believe there's a lot of us that want hope and peace. Those aren't things that we could just get outside of the Lord. Why? Because God is those things. God is love. He is hope. He is peace. He's creator. He is eternal. There never was a time where God wasn't. That should blow our minds, but it, but it doesn't. Why? Because we settle too easy for things that distract us. But it's in him we should put our hope and our satisfaction. See, Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the first four words of the Bible are so unbelievable. Anybody know them without looking? What's, my, what's your name? What is it? Jet. Jet? Jack. Jack. What's the first four words? In the beginning, Whew, Jack, you just spoke some good theology. Congratulations, Jack. In the beginning, God. Why is that so profound? Because the Bible starts with God because it's all about God. It doesn't start with you. It doesn't say in the beginning, you, because it's not about you. It's about him. And the problem is in this world, we put us before God and then everything is backwards and upside down. And maybe that's why you feel a little bit lost in life maybe right now. You've gotten things backwards. You put in the beginning, you, and it was never meant to be about you. It's about him. Because in the beginning, him, eternal, the only one we can look to for hope because he's hope and he's love and he's peace. And we're looking for hope, peace, and love in all the wrong spots. And he says, stop. Quit being satisfied with all these things that are just chasing after the wind. Look up to me. In the beginning, God. And then it says the next word. Jack, you know it? Created. What's he create? Everything all around us. He also creates us. And he creates you and me on purpose for a purpose. 
crafted us. He, he recrafted us. In fact, we just saw that video about the potter in the clay in Isaiah 64. It says that God is the potter. We're just simply the clay that God is intentionally crafting us for something, for a purpose. Well, the purpose is to glorify him, to, to, to make him known and make him famous in the way that we live our life, to have everyone look at you and say, man, that's a pretty awesome creation. You're like, I know, my creator's awesome. But there's not just, we're just sitting here, just to, our whole job is just to, um, you know, point people to him. Yes, that is, that is part of it. But the other thing is for us to enjoy him. I think we all just get so burdened of, I have to do, I have to do, I have to do all these things. And it's like, God says, eh, enjoy me. Because Genesis 3, in the beginning, God created and, and he created them to walk and enjoy him. Enjoy your creator. Are you enjoying God, those that are in Christ? Are you walking with him? Are you enjoying him because he made a way for you through Christ? He's created you on purpose, for a purpose, to show off your creator and to enjoy your creator. You see, God intentionally crafted us. And the video was talking about he's the giver of form and function. He is in control of all things, even though things might seem out of control. There was a line in here that was awesome. Nothing begins until I choose. The work is not finished until he says it's complete. Ephesians 4, which we read in the very beginning, Paul, Paul's writing this, this book to a church in Ephesians. And Paul, who says this, now I say and I testify in the Lord. Why does he testify in the Lord? Because his life was recrafted. He's going one way and literally on, on a road, God completely smacks him and says, what are you doing? And he says, ah, ah, who are you? And he's like, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting and his life is transformed, literally. He goes from killing Christians to becoming one who will end up dying for his faith. He's one of these pillars of the faith that just is radical for Jesus. Because his life was transformed in his life, people see the effects of, of his transformation. He says this, I say this and testify, you must no longer live and walk as the Gentiles do. Don't walk the same way you used to when you didn't know Jesus. Why? Because you know Jesus. So walk differently. How we'll talk more tomorrow. point here is this. Don't live the way you used to. Walk in a newness and a freedom and a purpose. Walk in the way that you were created. The world looks for hope and purpose in all the wrong places. And I wonder if some of you are as well. And you're walking in this week and just kind of feeling this life that was promised you seems a little hollow and broken. You feel like these things that you're looking for hope and all these things that you longed for just are kind of letting you down. And the reality is if it's, you're looking for hope and purpose for, in anything else except for him, it will let you down. It's not just coming from me and it's not just coming from Solomon and your youth pastors and your workers here. Any fans of football? Anybody know who the goat is? Easy, Aaron Rodgers, but we'll go with Tom Brady. Tom Brady, uh, 
got to be just one of the best of the best football players out there. Years and years ago, when he was kind of first started, he won his third Super Bowl. He's got it all, three Super Bowl rings. He's got an incredible family. He's got the wife of his dreams. He's got cars. He's got the money. He's got the house. He's got the talent that plays at the highest level. He's got the money. He's got everything that most people would look at and say, I want that. If I had that, then I would be happy. Tom Brady, years ago, years ago, after his third Super Bowl ring, he goes on 60 Minutes, this national television show, and they're interviewing Tom Brady, and he says this. They're like, Tom, you've won it all. You've done it all. What's next? I mean, are you happy? And he says this. I don't know. I made more money than I thought I could ever make playing football. Three Super Bowl rings. I think that there's something greater out there for me. He says this line. It's got to be more than this. Tom Brady. There's got to be more than this. There is Tom. <laughs> I don't even know how many Super Bowl rings he has now. Seven? Easy, easy. And he still seems like he's chasing things that just aren't fully satisfying him. Don't take my word for it. You don't have to take Solomon's word for it, but I'm telling you, I've seen too many people in life, Christians, non-Christians, that are chasing the wrong things, and it just always seems to end the same way of chasing after the wind. As we look for a purpose in the wrong kinds of things, it feels hollow. And I wonder if you, if you were honest with yourself tonight, maybe that's where some of you are at. You come into this weekend excited and maybe a little nervous to try something new. Maybe you've done this whole thing before. Maybe you don't have any idea of who Jesus is and you kind of got brought with your friends. Either way, whatever reason you're here, maybe you're fired up for Jesus and you're living for him. I'm not sure where you're at in your relationship with the Lord, but I would just hope this weekend you're simply honest. You can have honest conversations with people, with your counselors, with, with your youth pastors. Just see where you're at. And say, these things that I'm really chasing, am I really satisfied? Where are you looking to give you hope? Be careful to put that weight on anyone or anything except for him. Band's going to come out. We're going to sing one last song. And uh, this song, um, Graves in the Gardens, I, I was talking to the band a little bit about it. There's a song in, in, in there It says this, there's nothing better than you. And here's the thing with worship. I find myself wanting to stand right away and say, it's true, there's nothing better than you. But if you're honest with yourself, that's probably not true. You might think there's a lot of things better than God. But the reality, his word says, nothing is better than him. So in this song, maybe at the beginning of the weekend, we just simply are honest about ourselves. As we think about being recrafted, let's understand, look, we're starting new. 
And there's things in my life that I know I put before you, God, but that stuff is hollow and empty apart from you, the one that is love and hope and peace. I want that, and I want to hold on to that. So with that, God, I sometimes don't believe it, but tonight I believe that there is nothing better than you, and that's what we get to sing. And if maybe you don't want to sing it, you just need to sit there, then sit there. And if that's you, then stand up and sing it or sit in your chair. But let's be overwhelmed by the Lord. Let me pray for us. God. Thank you for tonight, and thank you for a great weekend. Thank you for this camp and the staff that have put it on. Thank you for the counselors and the youth pastors that brought uh, the students here. Thanks for the students coming. I pray for honesty in cabins tonight. Thank you for this band leading us to your presence, and Lord, we thank you for you that are, you are better than everything. It's easy to sing it and say it. It's hard to live that out. But Lord, I pray that this weekend we know that we are made new. Those that put their hope and faith in you, Lord, we are recrafted. We are, we are, we are, we are made new. And may we enjoy our life in you, Lord, and celebrate that tonight.